What's up, Fuel Her Awesome sister? Today we're going to dive into some of the latest headlines. If you have opened up any news media source, you have probably seen the latest headline that the World Health Organization is looking to move aspartame into the carcinogenic category. And whenever this stuff happens, I get lots of questions, lots of messages like, is this true? Do I need to remove it from everything? What if I give it to my kids? And these headlines cause concern. So I wanted to break it down, look at it through an empowered eating lens and see how we can interpret some of the newer research into our empowered eating journey. Welcome to the Fuel Her Awesome Show. I'm your host, Jess. I'm a wife and a mama, and I'm juggling work and misbehaved dogs, but they're really cute. <laughs> I'm a sports dietitian and empowered eating coach. I am absolutely obsessed with nutrition science and helping you crank up the volume on your body's biofeedback. Let's pivot your relationship with your food and your body from doubt and distrust to a confident bond that can weather the seasons of life as we discover the healthiest version of you with empowered eating. I'm so glad you're here. It is hot, hot, hot here in New Mexico. We are going through summer, and I got to tell you, this is the first summer where I feel like the schedule is so chaotic. My boys are old enough to be in activities all over the place, and I just I cannot catch a routine. It's crazy. So I thought if I'm struggling with that, chances are you are too. So let's reset our routine together. You can stay in the know on that by being connected with me over on social, Jess Brown RD, or paying attention to the emails that go out. I don't send them out regularly, so when they do, make sure you check in because it usually means something juicy is going on inside the Fuel Her Awesome community. All right, sister, let's talk about aspartame and artificial sweeteners. Hey, before we dive in here, I'm going to be pulling some information from the CDC, the FDA, and the International Agency for Research on Cancer websites. But I want to say right off the bat, when we're talking about cancer prevention, this is for information only and is never to be used to replace any advice you've been given by a healthcare provider. If you are Questioning some of the stuff we chat about here because it's in contradiction with what your healthcare provider has discussed with you, I want to invite you to just jot some of the stuff down and take it back to your healthcare provider. Talk to them one-on-one. This is a podcast intended for general information purposes and not tailored nutrition advice. Okay, with that being said, let's dive in. All right, let's start here. What the heck is an artificial sweetener? (laughs) Let's first of all get on the same page. Friend, artificial sweeteners, they're also called sugar substitutes or non-nutritive sweeteners. These are chemically synthesized compounds used in food products to replace sugar. So they're often used in like diet-friendly products to remove sugar and calories but leave the same sweetness or not compromise the taste. Artificial sweeteners are as much as 200 to 20,000 times sweeter than sugar. So we need a much, much smaller amount of these guys in the food products to get the same level of sweetness as we would from sugar. This is why we see them in food products in such small amounts, and they're called non-nutritive because they're so little in there that it doesn't actually contribute nutritionally. Now, there are six artificial sweeteners that have been approved by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, or the FDA. We have saccharin, aspartame, which is the one that is on the chopping block right now, Asosulfame, potassium, sucralose, neotame, and advantame. <laughs> That's a mouthful, huh? There are also some other sweeteners on the market that you might be familiar with. 
There are fruit and plant-based sweeteners such as stevia, monk fruit. That's a big one right now. These are also approved by the FDA, but they're in a little bit different of a category. And we'll talk about why in a second. So what the FDA does is they come up with an approval for these guys. Anything that's not food has to go through the FDA or anything that's man-made, right? Like aspartame does not naturally occur in nature. We've created it and synthesized it to be added to food. So anytime something like this happens or is presented, the FDA has to approve it where a board of experts evaluate the research, they look at the pros and cons, and they either deem a product as GRASS approved, GRASS certified, which stands for generally recognized as safe. So in other words, this food additive is not expected to cause harm. Now, all of these sweeteners, including stevia and monk fruit, they are all on the FDA approval website, and they have been generally recognized as safe. There's also a few others I want to make sure we touch on. Sugar alcohols. These are actually in a different category than non-nutritive sweeteners, but this is going to be like erythritol, mannitol, sorbitol. You see these in a lot of um, like keto products, and these are a little bit different than non-nutritive sweeteners. These are called sugar alcohols. They're actually a type of carbohydrate, but our body doesn't the same way they do a carbohydrate. I have like terrible memories of sugar alcohols because I'm an 80s baby, meaning I grew up in the 90s and there was a big push for like sugar-free, fat-free foods. And I'll never forget like going to the candy store and getting the sugar-free Swedish fish. I love red candy. Like if you could just take all the red candy and put it in a bag for me, I go back to my inner six-year-old and it makes me so happy, but you can do this at those candy stores. And I remember going there and seeing the sugar-free section. And I would just load up on these red candies like licorice, Swedish fish, Sour Patch Kids, but they were all sugar-free. Well, they were loaded with sugar alcohols. And one of the things that happened was like, ooh, I became incredibly bloated and then was in the bathroom for hours questioning my choices because I had such aggravated diarrhea. It was horrible. I didn't know then that I know now that's actually a very common reaction to excessive amounts of sugar alcohols. Our stomach was not, it doesn't know what it is, right? Like we put these in foods because we don't, they don't provide nutrition. So meaning we don't actually absorb them. So it makes sense that it would agitate our GI system. Okay. So to recap, we have artificial sweeteners, then we have some plant and fruit based sweeteners that are also added that's stevia and monk fruit and then we have sugar alcohols and that's your erythritol mannitol sorbitol xylitol all the talls are the sugar alcohols those are the different categories that we're looking at so the question is are these safe like is it something we should be worried about and like i said the one on the chopping block is aspartame aspartame has made headlines lately because they're saying that they are moving they're looking at moving aspartame into the category as the one that is possibly carcinogenic. So first of all, what's a carcinogen? The National Institute of Health classifies a carcinogen as anything that is capable of causing cancer, whether it be a substance, an organism, or another agent. It has the potential for disrupting our DNA and our cells and possibly causing cancers. Carcinogens can be chemically synthesized like we see with aspartame or they're a natural part of our environment like the sun, right? We know the sun with excessive exposure and certain genetic backgrounds can cause skin cancer. So that can also be a carcinogenic. So I know it's, I say that because it's a really scary word. Um, It's scary to me. I have a family history of cancer. It's something that does make me very anxious and I worry about, 
And at the same time, we have to recognize that like everything or anything in excess could be potentially dangerous. And we have to not look at things in an isolated setting, rather against the backdrop of our entire existence and our life and our entire lifestyle. So is aspartame carcinogenic? Recently, the International Agency for Research on Cancer announced that it has plans to declare this particular artificial sweetener as a possible carcinogen. And the National Cancer Institute also highlights a 2022 study on almost 103,000 adults where they found that those who consumed higher amounts of aspartame had a slightly higher risk of developing cancer. It was 1.15 or 1.22 higher risk of specifically breast or obesity-related cancers. Now, this move to classify aspartame as a possible carcinogenic means that the agency is saying there is enough evidence available that it could cause cancer. So I went down this rabbit hole and looking into like, okay, what, what does that mean? Like, how do they classify this? Turns out this agency has four categories in which they classify Um, food additives or chemicals that we use in our day-to-day life in our culture and they put them into these four different categories number one is going to mean that the item causes cancer so if you attach a one to it that's one that we know there's a strong there's a link between this particular product and cancer 2a means it probably causes cancer 2b means it possibly causes cancer and three means it carries no proven risk of cancer. The agency has reported that it wants to move aspartame from a class 3 to a class 2B, meaning it possibly causes cancer. Interestingly, when I pulled up this this list on the International Agency for Research on Cancer website, which I'll go ahead and link in the show notes for any of you that also want to go down to Nerdenville. When I pulled that up, do you know what else is on the 2B carcinogenic list or category? aloe vera, dry cleaning, pickled vegetables. Like there are some things on there that we have regularly and even have health claims, right? So so while the initial headline is quite alarming, we have to also look at it in the bigger picture, right? Before we get reactive and, and throw out everything that has aspartame in it. It's also worth noting that this website categorizes foods according to research, but it has no implications of the magnitude of risk. It doesn't define the quantity at which you can consume these products before you're at risk. So for example, alcoholic beverages, they're considered a class one carcinogen. It says alcoholic beverages, like all of them. (laughs) So again, like this word is scary. And I think it's also important to recognize that not all carcinogens are necessarily dangerous in reasonable amounts. Like think sunlight, think of how many people do have a glass of wine here or there. And we know that that isn't something that is leading to cancer development later on. So again, information, we're taking this in, and if we keep our empowered eating lens lenses on, we're looking at this information and working to make an educated decision moving forward, not a decision out of fear. Okay, so what products contain aspartame? It's cr- usually in things like Diet Coke, Diet Pepsi, Crystal Light, Jell-O. Um, it's going to be on your brand name sweeteners like NutraSweet, Equal, Sugar Twin, and some of those other little packets you'll see on your um, table when you eat out at a restaurant. So while the IARC is looking to move aspartame into this different category, I think we do have to ask the question of how much is too much because they're not classifying that on this website. 
The FDA, remember how I mentioned they come up with that generally recognized a safe level? Well, they have established that an acceptable daily intake of aspartame to be 50 milligrams per kilogram of body weight. And if we look at what a 12 ounce can of diet soda holds, it holds about 192 milligrams of aspartame. So what this means, don't get your calculators out, I already did it for you. (laughs) This means that a person who weighs 150 pounds would still fall within an acceptable daily intake of aspartame if they consumed 17, 17, 12 ounce cans of diet soda per day. Of course, I would never recommend you drink 17 diet sodas (laughs) in a day, but I think that puts this in to perspective as to how much we're talking about here that may be carcinogenic. Okay, so let's get down to the bottom line. Do you think you should ditch diet soda? The bottom line is we still need more research. And that's honestly the answer with so so much of what we know about food. Nutrition is such a new science and it's ever-changing. So you know, here I am reporting on what we know now. I'll be curious to see if we say the same thing in 10 years. So we have to do the best we can with the information we have today and look at this through our empowered eating glasses, considering how we define health, how we're wanting to fuel our body and how our body responds to food, that key, key piece of biofeedback. So I guess before we answer this question of should I ditch diet soda, we have to look at why we're drinking diet soda in the first place. I've seen people, and I myself, for years consume diet soda because it was like a, quote, safe food. It was calorie-free. It was a way to fill up my stomach without putting other food in it. And it was really, really rooted in some diet culture stuff. And so for that, from that angle, you know, I think we might need to reevaluate why we're choosing that. And perhaps could we choose something that gives more to us rather than constantly being in this state of, you know, choosing foods with the lowest amount of calories. So, you know, there's that. But then there's also people who just like it. You know, my husband, for example, he actually prefers diet soda over regular soda. And when we go out for fast food dinners, which yes, yes, I'm a dietitian and I take my family out for fast food. We do it on occasion. My boys freaking love it. The whole family loves it. He gets a diet soda and it has nothing to do with the calories or the sugar-free nature of it. It's just that he likes that and prefers that and he it's a treat so there are two different motives there right like on the one hand my husband I think of his approach that's an empowered eating mindset it's it's focused on you know giving himself a treat and we look at when we look at going to a fast food establishment it's not like I'm looking at those meals going okay this is the you know most nutrient dense food choice for my family no we're going there because it's fun And we're coming together as a family to have a treat, do something outside of the norm. So it's serving a different purpose. And in that case, him choosing a diet soda is, it's empowered, right? Me, 15, 20 years ago, when I was using it to replace food or replace snacks or prevent me from eating, that's a little bit different. And I was also having it more frequently and more regularly. So I want to bring up something to this point, because if we're choosing diet soda to avoid calories or food or encourage restriction, there's been some really interesting research on how our body takes in non-nutritive sweeteners. So in particular, the one that I found most fascinating has to do with our microbiome. 
they actually looked at this in rats and they found that when rats were given something like aspartame or a non-nutritive sweetener, the microbiome could read the body's reaction. Because when we have that non-nutritive sweetener, the brain goes, oh, there's something sweet. I need to start the hormone cascade to process blood glucose or blood sugar, but then there's not actually blood sugar you know, going into the blood because there's no sugar. It's just fake sugar. Well, when that happens, our microbiome can read that. It's so crazy. And it can go, hey, I noticed the brain is triggering that hormone release. Let's go ahead and generate glucose inside the gut. Let's make it ourselves and give it to the body. Like, how crazy is that? So even though we think we're consuming zero calories when we have a soda, our body is so freaking smart that it balances itself out and we can actually create calories in our gut to give that to our body. Now, that's just an example of how advanced our microbiome and our hormone system is. So I think anytime we're trying to cheat the system and outsmart our body with chemically created food products, there are likely some unexpected outcomes that would be alongside of that because our body is incredible. I mean, that's at the heart of this, right? Any resistance I have to non-nutritive sweeteners actually has nothing to do with the fact that they may or may not cause cancer, but rather my resistance to it actually comes from the fact that we think we can outsmart our body rather than just staying focused on the basics and nourishing it and caring for it. And some days that's going to look like a salad for lunch and other days that's going to look like pizza with a friend for lunch. You know, some of those basic empowered eating skills, like we're constantly trying to rework and rewire and outsmart. And I just, I personally don't believe we can do that. So here is my take on this latest headline. And take what you love, leave what you don't, filter it through your own empowered eating lens. When we have something like aspartame or something that is chemically created, we can't just look at this as a free food. Like many of us who have a history of eating disorder brain, like we can't just look at it as something that's a free for all. This is what diet culture world tells us to do. It's like, yes, it has no calories, have at it. We can't do that with this stuff because there is a possibility that there are some alternative outcomes with it. On the flip side, having it in small amounts here or there as a treat when you go to a fast food establishment like my husband does, we found that it doesn't have large impacts. Where it may be problematic is having it every day consistently in a lot of our foods over time. So looking at it as a treat rather than a daily staple. So if you like diet soda, cool. Let's treat it like you would a soda or ice cream or Skittles or any of these other foods that don't necessarily offer high nutritional quality. Have them as a treat. Enjoy them. Give yourself permission. The safety is not necessarily in those individual products, but rather you find safety in the fact that you are balanced overall. That while you may have a diet soda with your fast food on Thursday night, you wake up Friday morning and you feel really empowered in your breakfast choice and your lunch choice and you know you're nourishing your body in other ways. This is how we can keep the empowered eating lens on. So here's a couple questions for you. I love to end with questions because while I share my take on it and my perspective, end of the day, girlfriend, you live in your body. You get to decide how you want to feed it, how you want to live in it, and how you want to nourish it. So here are my questions for you. If you're consuming a product with aspartame, whatever it is, why is it that you want this food or beverage? How does consuming that particular beverage or food support your value-driven health goal? And if you've got an answer for that, you enjoy. (laughs) And if not, if you find that perhaps you're having 
this food product as a way to replace food, put off drinking water? You know, how can we reevaluate some of the habits you have and add in new ones that are more empowered? Yeah, it might be a little bit harder. It might feel uncomfortable. You may not love it at first, but here's the thing. We aren't here for instant gratification. Being an empowered eater doesn't mean, you know, we feel jazzed and enthusiastic about everything we do, but it means we feel confident because we know the why behind our how. And it also means we're listening to how our body responds to food. So I just have to throw this in here real quick. One of my clients, we were chatting this through and she was like, yeah, but I really like using artificial sweeteners to give me volume with my dessert because it allows me to, you know, get that big bowl of ice cream without sabotaging some of the goals I have or making me feel guilty. So I actually pushed her and I asked her to play with it a little bit. And I said, could you, is it possible for you to give yourself the real deal? Like, let's just go and pick out the best Ben and Jerry's you can find. Find the real deal and see if you can play with the portion sizes. Like, what would it be like to give yourself permission to eat the real thing and yeah, you could, you might down the whole carton. It's possible. <laughs> but I wonder, I wonder if you think it through on how your biofeedback would respond if you ate the whole carton of Ben and Jerry's or how you feel like your body would be, you know, feel different, how you would sleep, how that impacts your goals. If you could think that through instead of just being in the moment with the Ben and Jerry's, would it be possible to have a portion that felt really good and you could feel confident in? That way you're getting the real deal, real food without feeling like, without having to cheat the system and also without feeling guilty. So she's going to play with that and see what comes. I feel confident in it because that's how I eat ice cream now. You will not see me buying any of the fake ice creams. I like the real deal, but I respect the portion size and find one that fits my goals and what I am working towards. That is empowered eating. Whew, that was a lot today. Do you guys bear with me? I mean... We talk about emotion and feelings around food. And then every once in a while, I throw these little nuggets in where we really dive into the research. Um, I love it. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. But most of all, I hope the information allows you to sit empowered. As you read these headlines coming up, instead of panicking and throwing out everything with aspartame, let's put it into the context of your overall lifestyle and make a decision about what to do next based on education and experience, not fear. My friend, I'm so glad you are here today. Be sure you tune in the next few weeks. Like I said, I am cooking up something extra special for you guys come August. We are going to use August to gear up and close out this year with a bang. I cannot believe we are already in July. It's crazy to me. But one thing I do know is that we've got lots of time in this year to move forward and tackle crush, (laughs) move towards those goals that we set at the beginning of the year. And I'm going to help you guys do it. So make sure you're tuned in. You can always find me over on Instagram, JessBrownRD. Make sure you subscribe and like this show. And if you're wanting to learn more, my friend, I wanted to invite you to check out my free workshop, How to Eat Intuitively and Hit Your Goals. That can be found over at my website, JessBrownRD.com. I hope you have an awesome day, friend. Cheers, whether it has aspartame in it or not. and happy eating. Gosh, I'm so glad you joined me today. If today encouraged you, would you take a minute and encourage me by leaving a review for the show? I read every single one of these reviews and your words, they mean so much to me. 
This podcast is here to support you weekly, but it only scratches the surface. To learn more on how you can become an empowered eater, snag my free workshop, how to eat intuitively and hit your goals without obsessing over food at jessbrownrd.com. Don't forget to join me right here next Monday where I cannot wait to fuel your awesome. Cheers, my sweet friend, and happy eating.